Good evening, and thank you for joining us for our Thursday evening broadcast. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. We thank you for keeping us, oh God, through all things, Lord Jesus. God, be in our midst tonight. Minister to us, O oh God, as we dive into your word. Teach us something, Lord. Teach us a new aspect of you, God. Open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, in our series of the King of Kings, we have heard of the majesty of our God, and we have looked at the various ways that humanity has responded to him. Tonight, I'd like to close out this series with how God wants to be in relationship to us. To do this, let me take you back to the beginning. Genesis 3, verse 8, says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? It appears that God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve was a regular occurrence. He expected to find them there, and he knew something was wrong when he didn't. They were hiding because they knew either he was coming or that they sensed that he was already there. Either way, God showing up wasn't necessarily a surprise. To me, this demonstrates God's desire to fellowship with us, spend time with us, be close to us. Else, why would he be coming down to be with the man and the woman in the garden? Let's look at another example. Later in Genesis 18, 17, while God was contemplating wiping Sodom and Gomorrah off the face of the earth, he stopped and asked himself this question. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? Now that's a striking question to me because who is any man that God should feel uncomfortable about hiding something from him? What obligation does God have to reveal his plans to anyone? The language God uses implies a sense of maybe commitment or loyalty. How would Abraham feel about what I'm about to do? That's what I get from that question. Later in James 2 and 23, we find out just how God felt about Abraham. James 2.23 says, And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as a righteous man. I'm sorry, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Ooh, I don't know about you, but I want to be I want my faith to be counted as righteousness. I want to be God's friend. I mean, what an accolade to be referred to as the friend of God. Abraham's faith, Abraham's belief, Abraham acting on that, put him into an elite category, maybe I'll call it. He was known as the friend of God. So let's look at John 15 and see what else scriptures have to say about God being our friend. Now tonight I said to you that I want to talk to you about how God wants to be in relationship to us. I'm going to read you uh, the context around uh, this. So I'm going to read you quite a bit of scripture right here. 
So I'm going to go to John 15. I'm going to start with verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they can produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch that withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Verse 9. I have loved you even as my father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than, a, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Mm-mm-mm. That is juicy. Our obedience to Christ tears down the partition between king and subject, master and slave, and allows us to become confidants and companions true friends. As such, we don't need to worry about if he will extend his scepter when we desire to approach his throne. Because we are his friends, Hebrews 4 and 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. I pray that you won't hide from him. Talking to myself here. When he walks about the garden of your life to make himself known to you, to spend time to you with you, he wants to tear down any barrier that separates us from him. The barriers of our hearts, the barriers of our minds. God wants to be our friend. Jesus is loyal and he's approachable and he wants to be our friend. Vincent Beersley added to my message tonight these thoughts. When we look at the Old Testament in particular, God's role as a king is abundantly obvious. He was firm, unbeatable, and a ruler of his people. 
And even when this king came in the form of a man, he still spoke about himself as a king in several parables. He didn't give away or stop holding his authority. But what changed when Jesus came was where he, sorry, was where we could be in relation to the king. Vincent Beersley, one of our developing leaders, added this thought to my message. When we look at the Old Testament in particular, God's role as a king is abundantly obvious. He was firm, unbeatable, and a ruler of his people. And even when this king came in the form of a man, he still spoke of himself as a king in several parables. He didn't give away or stop holding his authority. But what changed when Jesus came was where we could be in relation to the king. In the Old Testament, only a few people had God speak to them, and then often under tight constraints. Only one man at a time, the high priest, could ever truly be in the presence of God. And then only once a year, and with extraordinary preparation beforehand. Then Jesus came. And thousands could be in his presence at once. It was a huge move of God towards humanity, bringing people safely into the presence of the king. And he died, pardoning us from the sin that had kept us so far away from him for so long. And yet then, after only a few decades with us, Jesus left. The king left his people and went away again up into the heavens leaving us at the same distance as before. His presence seemed to have left once more, leaving us alone underneath his rule and outside of his presence. Then, after 10 long days came Pentecost. The Comforter came as the Holy Ghost and wrapped the disciples in his love. The King hadn't left. We must have, what must have been the disciples' reaction when they realized just who this comforter was. Jesus' body had left the earth, but only so he could come back. No longer was he limited to the thousands who could fit in the space around a single man. Now he could be everywhere with everyone. He could speak to all people without constraints. Now finally the king was with us. He was still the king, still the ruler, and the God of the world. He had always been ours, but now he was not just our king. Now he was our friend. We could talk to him, share with him, complain to and about him. And it was all available as it still is today. The king is no longer at a distance as far from us as the East is from the West. Instead, he is with us. And when, we, and when we receive his spirit, he is in us. No longer is the king only our king. Now, finally, the king has become our friend. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Oh God, for making a way that we can be close, Lord Jesus. That we are not just your subjects, we are not just your slaves, but we are your friends. You do confide in us. You do minister to us. You do fellowship with us. 
you come and visit us, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, for the gift of your kindness, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have drawn near to us, oh God, that our hearts can draw near to you. We thank you for your closeness, oh God, that you have not made yourself unapproachable or unreachable, God, but you're just literally a prayer way. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us the ability to be your friend. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed.